With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday. We're shaking things up. We've gone loco. What the heck? Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Today we're crazy on loco. Uh, I wasn't around Monday night. I wasn't able to do the show. So, um, and, and I really was just going to let the week go by and not do one. But every now and then, a uh, topic sort of presents itself uh, that seems too good to pass up. Sometimes it's usually it's a single thing, it's a single story on a particular show. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a recast, maybe it's a bit of news, or or maybe it's something completely different. But this week there was a trend that just happened to kick off May sweeps and really caught my attention. And I thought, wow, this is something I kind of want to talk about. And so rather than wait until next week, I decided to do it tonight. Now, as you guys know. Um, as any of the regular listeners know, whenever we do a show on a weird night, like, you know, we've been doing the show for quite a while now, a couple of years, and usually on a Monday night. And when we do it on a weird night, when we do it on a Wednesday, often there are no callers because people are used to the Monday night. And so they'll go back later and they'll listen to the, uh, they'll listen to the call in the archive or the, the, they'll listen to the show in the archive. But they weren't aware of it or they weren't around on Wednesday, so they don't necessarily uh, call in for the show. So if you've ever wanted to call in but been like, you know, oh, I don't want to sit on hold for a long time or, oh, I'm afraid there are too many people in the listening audience, which, you know, really, (laughs) that should never be your fear. Um, Wednesday is a great night to do it. Tonight is a great night to do it because uh, you will probably have no problem getting through if we wind up with uh, no callers. I'll babble for a few minutes. I'll put a few questions to you in the chat room, the folks I see hanging out in there, and uh, then we'll just call it a night and all go on and watch Survivor. Our call-in number here is 347-989-0685. Again, that's uh, 347-989-0685. So here was what caught my attention, and if you read the show description, you know. Excuse me. I sort of called the show Smart Women, Foolish Choices. And it just, it seemed so interesting to me that over the past few days, we've seen um, two women in particular make really incredibly what I think are bad decisions, but could be good storyline-wise for one of them. 
And then there's a third who this has been going on for a while. Um, so we'll start with we'll start with the one that's been going on for a while, and that is Maya on the Bold and the Beautiful. You know, Maya Maya has been putting off and putting off and putting off telling Rick her big news. And you know, she used she sort of created this this in in her own mind benchmark uh, where she would tell Rick the truth that she is transgender, that she was born Myron. For those of you who don't know, Shaw, spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, she sort of created this this deadline in her mind that if and when Rick proposed, at that point, she would say, "You know what? This relationship is serious enough, and and I'm going to propose, I, and and I will and I will tell him." And you know, then her sister showed up, Nicole, and Nicole was sort of urging her to come clean, come clean, come clean, practically blackmailing her. But then Nicole got a good a taste of the good life because she started hanging out with Wyatt, who of course is hanging out with her in the in the in an attempt to find out. Maya's big secret, although he also sort of really likes her. Uh, so Maya and Nicole suddenly sees this all through different eyes and is like, "No, no, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, let's not, let's not rock the boat." Um, so Maya has made the decision at the moment to keep quiet. Now, if you watched today's episode, which was a fantastic script, um, you know, for a while there, last week, uh, the last two weeks, really. The show was starting to get, do that thing that it does sometimes that annoys me. You, you guys know I love The Bold and the Beautiful. Um, it is often, if I have to, at the end of every week, you know, sort of assess what my favorite show of the week is, The Bold and the Beautiful uh, is is very often my favorite show of the week. But I'm not a fan of when they get stuck in one storyline, and that storyline is sort of in waiting mode, you know, sort of sort of treading water. And building up to May Sweeps, that's what they were doing, because they wanted to save some of the big stuff, various people finding out, Ridge finding out, now Brooke, and now Eric finding out uh, that Maya is transgender. They wanted to save this and play it throughout May. So for the last two weeks, we've had a lot of stuff where, you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost comical with Rick talking about Maya's honesty and Maya's integrity and how she's the most awesome thing since sliced bread. And even sliced bread probably lies more than she does. Cause she's, did I mention that she's honest and that she's chock full of integrity and probably vitamins. And it really, it became almost laughable. I made a drinking game out of it on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, and every time, every time they mentioned her honesty and integrity, you know, chug, but now, you know, today, um, they had this great scene where, first of all, they had a really nice scene between Maya and Nicole talking about, you know, the secret and 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 Maya's not, no matter what happens, Maya's going to be proud of who she is. And it was fantastic dialogue, but it built. So there's an amazing moment at the end of the episode where Brooke wandered in and Brooke made this little speech about how there are two kinds of models. There's the kind that you look at and you see everything about them right away. And then there's the other kind who you can look at and they can stand right in front of you and you don't really, you know, know everything about them. And then she got like right up in Maya's face. I mean, I was like, are they going to kiss? And instead, Brooke just said two little words. I know. And it was amazing and it was great. But here's my thing. So, um, you know, Maya has made the decision, keeping in our smart women foolish choices uh, theme, Maya has made the decision to keep putting off telling Rick, you know, and to keep moving the uh, the, the boundary of what, what, what has to happen before she will tell him. And I think we all know that at this point, the worst thing that could possibly happen is going to happen. And what is that? That's right. It's someone else telling Rick. You know, it's, this, this is going to be hard for Rick to take no matter what. Um, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if Maya went to Rick and said, you know, listen, just so you know, um, I'm transgender. And he was like, you know, no big deal. 
I love you. I love the person you are. I love the person you've become, and this doesn't change anything. I don't think that there was ever a universe in which that was going to happen on this show, Um, but what's going to make it even harder for anything like that to happen is if and when someone else beats Maya to the punch and is the one to tell Rick. And we all know that's going to happen because that's, you know, that's clearly that's the most dramatic turn. So that's the bold and the beautiful. Uh, Then we have uh, the woman who made a decision that many fans are upset with, but that I actually think I understand her decision to a certain degree. And in terms of, you know, soap opera and storytelling, and I think it could kick off a really fantastic story, and that is with Elizabeth on General Hospital. Liz, you know, on Friday's episode, Liz found out uh, because Nicholas told her, he said the most important words he's uttered in a long time, he said, Jake is Jason. So Liz now knows that the man she knows is Jake Doe, the man she thought of as Jake, whatever that other last name he had, layman name he had, Burns or whatever, um, that he is actually Jason Morgan. He is the man that she loved and couldn't be with and had a child with. And, and Liz did this whole Scarlett O'Hara thing where she sort of said, you know what, people in this town, they lie, they cheat, they commit murder, they you know do all this and they get their happy endings. I've been a relatively good person. And yes, let's not mince, we'll get to that in a minute. I know Liz has committed her fair share of of sins. I know that. But you have to remember, as I was saying on Twitter the other day, it's not about how the audience sees Liz. Some of the audience is going to look at Liz and say, "Um, honey, you've done some really bad things. You've lied, you've kept secrets, you've done this, that, or the other thing. It's not about how the audience perceives Liz and her life. It's how Liz perceives herself and her life. And in Liz's eyes, she's like, you know what? I have been a pretty good person. I've done the right thing, and I've gotten screwed over by life time and again. So this time, I'm going to make the selfish decision. I am going to do this. And she's rationalizing. Oh, good Lord. You know, if, if, if rationalization was, was, was sex, this would be the best sex ever because she is bending over backwards to do some major, major rationalization here. You know, she looks at Sam and says, well, Sam is happy. She's with Patrick, and Patrick can protect Danny in a way that Jason never could. And, and you know, this whole, she's doing this whole rationalization dance. She's shimmying all over the place. And I get it. And for me, what, what makes this a good story is, and, and I have talked about this kind of story in the past, and I've usually referred to the Todd Marty rape man story. I am a huge fan of a story where a character does something, and they know it's wrong. I mean, all day today when Liz was hanging out with Jake, you could see that she knows she is doing the wrong thing, really truly in her heart thinks, you know what, this could work out. And we all know it can't. We all know that this is going to collapse around her and she is going to be just, you know, I I mean, imagine how Carly is going to react when Carly finds out that Liz knew and kept this a secret. She's going to, Carly is going to, you know, just basically rip off Liz's head and eat it for breakfast. That is what Liz, that is what Carly is going to do. I look forward to that. But in the meantime, what I would love to see happen is, you know, let them have their happiness, let Patrick and Sam have their happiness. Um, Ideally, you know, people were saying, should Liz get pregnant by Jake or Jason? No, I think it should be Sam who gets pregnant because it would make sense for Sam and Patrick to say, you know what, we're going to get married, we're going to have a baby, blah, blah, blah. Um, And there's more drama there if when the truth comes out about Jason, Sam is pregnant with another man's baby. Whereas if it's Liz who's pregnant, there's not as much drama there. You know, she gets left by the guy and, you know, whatever. 
Um, but what I'd really like to see is, of course, the truth comes out, and the entire town is just does that thing that they love to do, where they're all sanctimonious and pious, and they're, you know, how dare you, Elizabeth Weber? How dare you do such a thing? How dare you keep Jason from his family and from Carly, most of all, and you know the Quartermains and blah blah blah. And I and have Liz, and this of course has come out in a very public way, maybe at her wedding to Jason or something. And have Liz turn around and just look at them and say, how dare I? How dare you? Luke, you ran over my child. Carly, how much blood is on your hand from all the horrible things that you and Sonny have done to people over the years? All of you have committed horrible sins, and for you to stand there and judge me is just horrendously hypocritical. And then have her go to whether it's uh, – in, in, in my imagination, it would be Nick. And she goes to Nick and says, you know what, I'm the town pariah, you're the town pariah, you know what, marry me, and I want to rule the school. And Liz becomes like this power-mad woman who just, you know, the good Liz is gone. Remember, when we first met Liz, she was like, you know, she was sort of trouble. She was smoking and stealing Graham's credit cards to buy pizza and stuff. And Liz decides, screw this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like everyone else in this town. I'm going to go full, full hog, self-centered biatch. And and she does, and she starts, you know, and, and, and she stirs up trouble all over town, and she does things for herself. But we see that inside she knows this is not her. This is not the key to her happiness. And eventually she ends up, you know, doing something that brings her true happiness. But I just, I think that from this moment, there is so much great storyline to be to be played out. Uh, so I kind of like the decision that Liz has made, and I can't wait to see the directions that it plays. I will say that when I spun my little story on Twitter the other day, Ron Carlevati said, do you mind if I steal this? I was like, no way, steal it. It's a great story. Go for it. Take it. Hire me. Um, the third person, and this one, oh, Lord. I don't even know what to say about this one, to be honest. So if you've been watching The Young and the Restless, you know that uh, a couple weeks ago Sharon was arrested for the murder that we all know she didn't commit. Um, in true soap style, she was arrested, but she was put on house arrest, and Michael was, you know, volunteered to be her guardian because he wanted to separate from Lauren, and this gave him a good excuse to not be going home at night. And Sharon today decided to sneak out, get all dolled up, and to sneak out while Michael was taking a nap and go to the grand reopening of the underground. And there are so many things wrong with this whole scenario that it's not even funny. First of all, why are we opening the underground? Second of all, if we are going to open the, reopen the underground, why did we make it look exactly the way it looked before? It wasn't exactly a dynamic, exciting set to begin with. Why is, why is Nick, you know, the, the, the richest guy in town, why is he running some dingy little nightclub? Why isn't he... I don't know, doing something – why is he not involved in business stories? Although, really, the business stories unfolding on YNR are not all that great right now, so maybe he is better at the club. But most important of all, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason to Sharon walking into that club. And sometimes you can tell when an actress or actor appears to be struggling with the material they're playing, and I really got the sense that Sharon Case kind of had the same reaction that I did. I Watching the scenes, I got the, the feeling that she was like, I don't know why my character is doing this. It's just it's my job to do it. <laughs> because it made no sense. Sharon was putting her freedom at risk. She was putting, you know, her, her shared custody with of, of faith on the line. For what? To attend the grand reopening of a club 
the, her ex-husband, who she barely is on speaking terms with right now, and who she knew, she knew no one in town would would want her there. They, they, they all knew she was under house arrest. It made no sense, and it was just the further trashing of Sharon Abbott Newman. You know, I, I thought I thought her marrying Victor was, you know, a bad point, but this may have been even worse because it just defied all logic, and I I don't get it. So those were my three circumstances of, you know, what I was calling smart women making very, very foolish choices. Uh, I would absolutely love to hear uh, your thoughts on these scenarios or really anything else that you want to talk about, because as I always say, it's your show. I'm just here playing the, uh, the designated escort guiding the conversation. So our, uh, our, conver- our, our number here is 347-989-0685. And if you'd like to uh, join the conversation, just dial that number and hit the number, I don't know, one or something when prompted to by the lovely hostess. Again, it's 347-989-0685. Meanwhile, uh, we'll offer up a little bit of preview for what's coming up uh, this May Sweeps. Uh, probably the most exciting thing going on during May Sweeps is the upcoming live episodes of General Hospital. These will begin airing. Uh, the first one will be next Friday, and the second one will be the following Monday. So this, uh, not this Friday, but next Friday is the first live episode. And what's going to be really interesting about these is they are doing it twice. They want it to be live in as many markets as possible, so they are doing it at both 2 p.m. Eastern time and 3 p.m. Eastern time. And what that means is that the actors will be doing the, doing the whole show live, and then when the first episode ends, they'll have about a minute and 40 seconds to reset everything and go back to the beginning and do it all again. And they're doing that both on Friday and Monday. There will be a wedding. Uh, there will be a shooting. They want this to be, you know, they're, they're being very smart. They're like, if you tune in to these live episodes, and let's face it, the, the reason to do a live episode is to get people to tune in who don't normally watch the show. Why will they? Well, in the hope of seeing something go wrong, because that is that is the obvious appeal of a live episode. There's no other reason to do a live episode other than people tuning in, hoping to watch something go terribly wrong. An actor go up on their lines, a piece of scenery fall over, you know, something along those lines. And um, Ron Grovati said to me, uh, he, 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 and he said it on the red carpet. Uh, he said it to Dan Kroll during his, in, his interview with him. Uh, he said, he said, I love my cast, but I hope something goes wrong. So um, I, I really am looking forward to the live episodes. I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. And the fact that they're building big story around it so that if new people tune in, which they inevitably will, uh, maybe they'll get hooked on what they see and want to keep coming back. Uh, you know, it's no good to do a stunt if it's not a stunt that doesn't potentially have a long-term impact on or, or a, a, a post-act on your viewers. Okay, we're going to start taking calls here. Again, the number is 347-989-0685. And uh, our first caller here, 905. 905, you're Hi. on the air. Hi, can you hear Hi. me? Hi, I sure can. It's Megan. I've called in, uh, I think, a couple times before. It's been you a while. You have, Megan. It's nice <laughs> to talk to you. How are you this evening? I- I'm good, I'm good. I had to call in because of your topic, because I have okay. been following avidly uh, all these these three soaps, actually, lately, but especially Sharon Case, the whole portrayal of, of the Sharon character on YNR has been bothering me for a very long time, and I'm a Liz fan on General Hospital, amongst other things. 
So I've been very worried <laughs> about how these women have been portrayed lately. But I wanted to say to begin with, to begin with Liz, the Sharon, the Sharon issue I want to talk about too because I'm really worried there. But with the Liz, I actually it helps me listening to uh, reading your Twitter feed yesterday because I have to say I was getting a little worried that they were going down a road that they went that the previous regime did a long time ago with Liz where they were um she essentially became the character that was being shamed in public horribly because of the Nick affair and then you know it just it just seemed that they had taken her down a road that I thought they were going to go down again where they were showing that Liz wasn't that perfect and therefore she could be sort of made um sort of a, a uh, a non-worthy character in Jason's life and in other things. And yet yesterday when I was reading your Twitter feed and um, Spin Vin- uh, Vixenella, I guess, and other people, I started to really appreciate how the storytelling could actually really benefit the character. So I just want to say that to begin with. I appreciated the, the possibilities you were opening it up. Well, and, th- and that's the key word. It's possibility. You know, I mean, I am not Ron Carlovati. I am not the head writer of General Hospital. I, you know, I, I, I will say, I really, you know, I loved that he actually positively responded to what I was saying. Um, because, yeah. Um, you know, I, I critique shows. I mean, there are a lot of people who, how to put this, I. I struggle with a lot of with the way a lot of people handle Twitter when they are critiquing shows, and they are they can be very very nasty. They can be very very mean spirited. They can you know they 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 they, they mistake obscenities for humor and and yeah. wit. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of I I believe that if you are going to criticize a show, you also have to praise it when it does well, and and. And I try very hard to do both. But the other thing I really try and do is I get, like, I understand that there's a big part of the audience, especially fans who are um, big fans of Liz, who have seen Liz thrown under the bus time and again. I understand that they're going to look, exactly, and they're going to look at what happened, and they're going to look at Liz making that decision, and they're going to look at it and be like, oh, great, let's run Liz down again. And I see that. But to me, I also see, I really thought they did a great job when they give, gave Liz that little speech about how everybody else in this town does crappy things and they get a happy ending and screw it, this time I'm going to do this for me. That to me gave us a little bit of insight into her motivation. And it also showed, and I think again, I think they showed this today too, it showed that she knows what she's doing. At heart, she knows yeah. it's wrong. And I think that's the kind of thing that can save a character. If you don't give them, give the audience that glimmer of knowledge that they know what they're doing is wrong and that they're pained by it, then it can be really hard. But, you know, there's there's potential good story here, and I hope to see it play. I think you're right, and I think that, you know, I think what's also selling it is that Becky's performance yesterday was amazing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, she's... She, I think she's been sort of an underrated character. We all know that she can, you know, put beautiful performances together when she has to, especially these really deeply dramatic ones. But it was so layered. And I think that it was lovely seeing Michael Logan and Ron Carlovati and you and others sort of give her that tribute because often there's so many good actors and actresses on the show that I think she can kind of get lost in the shuffle, and yet she can. When you put her in a situation where she can become a more complex character, she can perform beautifully. Oh, and I, I think that this might, this could lead that direction. Yeah, I I have said for years that I Rebecca Herbst 
who plays Liz is one of the most undervalued characters, mm-hmm. actors on that canvas. And it baffles me really because she's she's wildly popular. She's the perfect heroine, you know, she's like the right age. She's not she's like an every woman, you know, she's a nurse. She's everything mm-hmm. about her is like, you know, this is what you want of of a soap opera heroine. And so for her to be so weirdly underused and undervalued for so long, every now and then we see these glimpses of where it looks like, oh, Liz is going to get a story, and then that story gets taken away. So I really hope this is the beginning of, and you're right, she did she did fantastic work yesterday, and she did it again today. I thought her stuff. I thought so, I too. Thought stuff, yeah. I thought the stuff with Billy Miller. Now, and, and I have to say here, if I have one issue with the way this story is playing out, it's that, I'm I'm very conflicted with the way GH is is using Billy Miller. Billy Miller I is agree. a phenomenal actor, and I love that I love that Laura writes Carly got lots of good stuff at the nurses ball. I love that Rebecca Herbst got lots of good stuff in the aftermath. Um, several you know lots of characters good stuff there, but but. Jake, you would have thought that, you know, Jake found out that this whole lie had been concocted, this woman wasn't his wife, and and they basically had him react as if someone had said, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we gave you a rum and coke instead of a bourbon and coke, which, by the way, would make me furious, but, but like, like they, they don't, I, I don't, Billy Miller's... That's been a problem. So why they're not letting him do stuff. I mean, they did give him some stuff yesterday, yesterday or did, I think it was yesterday when he was saying, you know, when he was sort of being charming and, and sweet and all that, but he's also let him play the anger. He's an incredibly good actor. And so to have oh my God. just sort of react so yeah. calmly to all of this, I didn't get that. Well, his, I mean, I keep going back to his scenes with Adam on Y&R, you know, and so we know what Billy Miller can do. And that's been the one thing that's been bothering me, too, is not only how he's been playing this passive character, and in a way it's the side of Jason that I never liked anyway, the sort of reactive, all the women will be making the big decisions around me, they'll be the ones screwing it up, and I'm always kind of just in the mix. I've never liked that side of Jason anyway. But the the way he's playing now, he has no fire in him whatsoever. And it's hard. I want to see more passion because I was a big Leo's own fan in the day. I, I think at times I see the chemistry between the two of them. But I think until Billy Miller unleashes, we won't really see the dimensions. Because right now, I think it's Becky doing all the hard lifting in the relationship, which I didn't expect, to be honest. But I, And I want to see more. In fact, what I, where I'm really seeing excitement is Liz and Nick. I've always liked that that pairing, and I think a quadrangle or, you know, bringing in everyone, like Patrick and Sam and Jason and Liz and and Nick into a mix could actually be a really interesting dynamic as they proceed with the story. But it does mean that Billy Miller has to kind of step it up. I mean, I'm not just I'm not blaming him. I think it's the writing as well. But somehow there's something that's like, it's like he's, he's, he's not quite sort of, he looks like he's just well, sort of depressed off, a bit at the time. it comes off as, it comes off as feeling bored, you know? It yes, comes off exactly. As feeling, it feels as if Jake is not at all interested in anything in his life. He's just kind mm-hmm. of wandering through, and, you know, that's that's just that's not fun for the audience. The audience wants to see this character react. The audience, and especially the audience that is familiar with Billy Miller's work and knows how good he is, oh, they yeah. don't want to see him just sort of like wandering from scene to scene having no reaction. You know, this is not Jason. This is not the Jason Morgan that we had when Jason had no emotions and blah, blah, blah. This is a whole new Jason. So, yeah. you know, you can do anything you want with him, and that includes mm-hmm. let him have some freaking emotions. 
I know, I know, and 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 that's why I sort of when I'm comparing things in a way. You know, I don't know what will get him going. I'm hoping that they'll soon they'll tear it up. But it, it, right now, it's just he's in the middle of all these different stories, and you just the problem is you just don't care. You know, it's it's this, it's the it's at least I'm finding I don't care about you know his importance to all these people. I don't quite believe it yet. It's almost like I have to remind myself why people cared about Jason. You know, and whereas I think that once they can break through. He has to, there has to be something that makes him really angry, and I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be Liz, unfortunately, <laughs> but, but something has know, to make yeah, him really I, angry. I was thinking the same thing, that I think at that point, you know, maybe maybe he didn't get upset about the whole Hayden thing because, you know, he never really committed to it, you know? Like, it's no. Like he got involved in this. It's not like he got excited, you know, oh, my wife is here, and I'm, you know, and he started to – he basically kept her at arm's length the whole time as if he really didn't believe it anyway. So maybe that's why they're playing it this way. But you're right. When it comes out that Liz knows the truth and that, he, you know, he has a wife and a son and she kept him from that and, you know, maybe by then, you know, Patrick and Samuel have gotten even more serious – then I have to imagine he's going to. So yeah, <laughs> poor Liz. When Jason finally wakes up and gets some emotion, it'll be at her expense. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is, and I think this is a, is a long time Liz fan. And we, we, as you pointed out, I mean, those of us who have sort of memories of her being thrown under the bus so seriously under Guza, it's, it's hard. Like I, I trust Carla Vati. I really do. And so it's not like Cartini in general. I do. I don't think they have the same reaction to Liz. But I think it's been such a long time to see her also gaining some kind of respect into this regime, especially with the rotating relationships, and it just doesn't, hasn't done her any service as a character that many of us are fond of and want to see rebuilt. And then you look at Sharon Case, on the other hand, who's in a much worse situation in YNR, and I, I admire her so much for trying to make the Sharon character work under, oh, God I don't know how many her. times she's been under, God how bless many times her has she been thrown I... under the bus now? I adore her. She's not just been thrown under a bus, she has literally been, okay, not only has she been thrown under a bus, she has literally been you know, pushed into a volcano and crop dusted. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, and even now, she's hilarious now because she's almost playing it as loony. I mean, she keeps she finds a different way to play every generate every, every kind of regime that comes in and tries to make her crazy. She finds a different way of playing it. So now it doesn't make any sense again. But I find it really like she has her eyes are doing the crazy eyes. There's something about the way she's playing it that is making me realize she's in on the joke and she realizes how ludicrous the whole thing is. But she's going to just I, do her Completely agree. What really bothers me is okay. So a couple years ago, back when um, Sharon burned down the ranch and Adam found out, oh. and Adam was helping yeah. her, you know, people were very upset by that. They were very upset by Sharon's mm-hmm. behavior and how far she had sunk and all that. And I said, and I, you know, sometimes I try and be the voice of the rational person, and I don't mean that they're being irrational. I mean, I try and look at a story just like I did with Liz yesterday. I look at it and I say, you know, and I try and see where this could go, that like this bad story point could become something positive. And at the time I said, as often and as frequently as I could, hoping that, that not only would fans, you know, <laughs> listen, but that maybe, maybe, you know, someone else higher up would listen. I said, you know what's awesome about this story? Yes, it's terrible that they've thrown Sharon under the bus again. And yes, they've, they've, they've had her set fire to a house and, you know, she, she, she could have killed people and blah, blah, blah. It's horrible what they've done. But 
this is a story where we now have taken Sharon as low as she can go and we can start building her up again. And that was what I thought was going to happen. I thought, you know, because they started, you know, they, they took her to therapy and they put her on happy pills. And I'm like, you know, I may not have burned down houses or anything, but I went through a really dark period and I eventually got happy pills and went to therapy and I came out the other side and my life yeah. has never been better. And I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is what's going to happen to Sharon. It's basically going to be the Richard Sims story, you know, without the burning houses. And, <laughs> and I really believed that. And for a while it looked that way, and Sharon got a little bit better, and, you know, things stabilized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they went right to hell again. And then they went even further to hell. But the low point for me really was her walking into that club yesterday because oh yeah, it's one thing for a character like – like, when she burned down the house, yes, it was crazy, but I understood it. You know, I could I could, I could, could look at it and be like, okay, you're kind of crazy, but, you know, yeah, you, you, these people have done some crap to you, so you've got some issues to work out with them. But when she walked into that club, it made no sense to me because this was a woman who was sacrificing potentially her freedom, who was, oh. who was, who had fought so hard to gain partial custody of her daughter and was throwing that out the window. And then exactly. when the police show up, she's like, what do you mean? They're going to clear my name. What do you mean they're going to? Yeah, they're going to. You know, Christmas is coming too, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to give you a present today. It just, it was so illogical. And it came on the heels of of other things recently that have made no sense. You know, Abby, Ab, the Abby Stitch Victoria, the way that, you know, Stitch and, oh. all of a sudden Stitch and Victoria broke up. And two minutes later, he was sleeping with Abby. And then Abby and, and Stitch are continuously making out in front of the two women that they should. It just, I am it's, not it's, a big fan of when characters do things that make no sense. You can have Well, it, there's nothing that makes sense under this. Yeah. It, yeah. Sorry, I didn't well, mean to interrupt. Uh, no, again, the, the Kelly thing, you know, the, the police arrive and find Jack handcuffed to a bed, and Kelly's like, this is therapy. You know what? I've undergone a lot of different kinds of therapy over the years, and I'm pretty sure handcuffed to a bed, not only that, but he said, I'm Jack Abbott. I'm the head of, you know, Jabot. You may have heard of it. Even if they had not heard of it, if I'm a cop and someone is saying, I'm this really wealthy dude who's really powerful, maybe you break out my phone and Google it to see if he really is. It it just, and, and we're conducting this Bizarre form of therapy in apparently a seaside shack. It just yes, made no sense whatsoever, and that no, really that it, it's very very difficult for me because you know like I try and always look at my shows. I'm a forever fan, no matter what you do, and not just because I'm paid to watch them. Whatever you do, I love myself, so I'm going to keep watching them. But dude, you're making it tough right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, you know what I can't figure out? I heard that um, uh, that Mike, well, Michael Logan said when he was on the, the recent DC podcast that all the actors are really happy with Chuck Pratt. I have to imagine they didn't ask Sharon Case. I really have to imagine at this stage. But, I mean, Eileen Davidson they're doing nothing again with, and yet it's also cartoonish behavior that they're all doing. Uh, doppelgangers are stupid, uh, but I understand why uh, Peter Bergman might find it sort of fun to play two characters. But none of the and the horrible wedding where that didn't happen with with um uh oh 
Chelsea and, and Billy. Oh, oh, there was oh, yeah. no drama. There was no drama. Like all these stories have no drama to them. Same with Stitch and I mean, he's sleeping with two sisters. You think, or mother, sister, and two sisters. You think that there be there's a way to build drama out of that with Stitch. Well, they made them non-stories. The other problem with it is the other problem with it is that is that, and you know, this is a complaint that has has in the past been lodged against Pratt. It happened when he was at All My Children. Um, the the stories I, now I will say Warrior has two things and this is all this is almost always true when a soap goes through a bad period it's something that keeps you going they have amazing script writers and they have fantastic actors but what's happening is the characters the stories that are being told are generic they could be told with anyone and the reactions that people yeah. are having are generic in other words I don't mean generic what I mean is for example Billy and Chelsea. When Billy found out that when he overheard Adam and Chelsea talking and realized they had slept together, Billy Abbott, we know as longtime viewers, we know that Billy would not like you know publicly humiliate her and you know plan no. a little wedding where he could probably he would he would go out and do something really stupid. He'd like get drunk and run somebody right, down, or right, get right. drunk and sleep with somebody inappropriate. He's not the kind of guy to sit there and, you know, twirl his mustache and be, ooh, how can I get public revenge? That's just not <laughs> Billy Abbott. It is, it is what a lot of soap opera characters would do. But if you do not know the history of a soap opera character and you write them in such a way that, you know, if you're writing, you're writing good story, you're just not writing good story for that particular character. You know, that's something, you know, if you wrote that same story for somebody else, it might perfectly well work but it doesn't work with Billy's history. The other thing that I don't understand is sort of some of the long-term stuff. For example, what is Victor's end game? Does Victor intend mm. that Kelly is going to hold Jack hostage forever? Does he think that, that is he hoping yeah. that Jack will be killed, that Jack will die? Because that's the only way Victor's plan can work. Because otherwise, when Jack comes back, of course the deal to, to unite these two companies is null and void because it wasn't Jack mm-hmm. who made the deal. The only mm-hmm. way this works is if Jack never comes back. And that means that at that point you have turned Victor Newman into a man who is basically a murderer or a, a, yeah. a, a, a accomplice to murder. And Victor does it not for nothing. Where is Victor getting all these doppelgangers? I mean, Mary Jane, <laughs> Mariah. I mean, he's just saying that he found Jack in a Peruvian prison. I'm like, I how know. did he find this guy in a Peruvian prison? Is there like PeruvianPrisoner.com and you can like just peruse and look for somebody who looks like somebody that you want to impersonate? It, it just, yeah. it just defies logic, and that has never. This kind of stuff has never been what Y&R does well. I'm well, and I have Y&R to say, the writing this kind of. I'm not saying Weiner hasn't done this kind of stuff before because they have, you know, Lipstick Lauren and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not anything the show has ever done well. These are not the stories that fans look back at and are like fondly, oh, you know, I wish they'd do another Lipstick Lauren story or another Reliquary story. These are the stories that fans talk about as being their least favorite. So I don't know why we're we're sort of mining that kind of story right now. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think it's. I think at the, at the end of the day, I mean, I would even push it further and say that the writing isn't good these days. I mean, I hear some. Usually, I count on them at least to have beautiful writing. They have great actors, but so so far, I'm finding everything uh, very um, uh, badly written, like almost like bad Harlequin novels or bad trashy pornography. Like not pornography, but they, some of the language coming up, even the dialogue between Kate and McLean and Peter Bergman, is just 
laughable. And and I think everything's so rushed on top of it that you can't invest in any of the storylines, even if they were good to begin with or had a potential. You just don't care. Anyway, I, I mean, I feel badly I've been taking up a lot of your time, but I just wanted to uh, chime in since you're talking about two of my, my biggest beefs right now or two of my interests right now, Liz and Sharon. Well, I and I agree with you on both of them. I think we're on the same page there. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that Carla Vatti, going back to Liz, will take your storyline. That's what I'm. I like your storyline. I want her to end up tearing up the town with Nick, and I also well, want her to I, fall in love with Nick as well. <laughs> if you take if you take that storyline, I also have an awesome Sunny storyline that I'd love to see play out. So you know, I'm happy to. I am happy to offer him free access to my brain anytime he wants to use it. Anytime. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm counting on him to take you up on it. Anyway, thank you very much, Richard. I, I enjoyed that. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Good night. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we have someone very special on the line right now. I say very special, but to you guys, you're all like, "Oh, we know who it is," because, because you know, you guys, you guys know who I can, who I consider very special. Is my very special caller on the line right now? Maybe. Yes, I am here. <laughs> I don't know if I'm <laughs> special, but I'm here. Were you trying That's to do some scary point? Oh, how many times do I have to tell you? Don't do that. For those of you who haven't figured it out, who didn't know the minute I said someone special, it is, of course, the one, the only, Dan J. Kroll. How are you tonight, Dan J. Kroll? Well, there isn't only one of me. There is a doppelganger somewhere, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, this is this is the in real Peruvian, me. In a Peruvian prison <laughs> somewhere? I, you sent me the address once of PeruvianPrisoners.com, and I was stupid enough to go and look to see if it existed. Did it? I just made that up. Was there something there? I don't want to no, know. You, you mentioned it to me when I wasn't able to watch Y&R that day, and I thought maybe it was something they mentioned in the in the show, and I went to see you know, what kind of fake website they put up. And no, there, it's nothing. It came up as, as not uh, not registered, and I did think <gasps> about going totally, and registering. I was going to say, we should register it and put something really fun there. Like, we should put we should put doppelgangers of everyone we know up there and create backstories <laughs> for them. And, I mean, that would be so much fun. That's but, what I do in the airport on travel. I do celebrity lookalikes. I find people who I think look like other people, and sometimes they're, well, I mean, I sent a picture of someone who wasn't you, but, you know, who was going on a cruise. Yeah, I saw that picture, and um, I I want you to know that several people on the internet were even more offended than I was by that picture, and I was offended. For those who don't know, Dan decided to play celebrity doppelganger and said, oh, look, Richard's here, and he's going on a cruise. And I was like, well, I need a picture of this. And what he sent was a picture of a man who weighed, and I'm being generous here, 400 pounds, wearing what I will admit that did look a lot like something I would wear on a cruise. I will, I will give him that, but uh, it, was, it was cruel. It was cruel. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone is a spitting image of someone. It just means that they, you know, resemble or look like it. I didn't say he was a thing, physical characteristics. I said this looked like, isn't you know. getting any better, so I'm going to save well, your you bacon know. right now okay. and say, mm, bacon. as you know, 
as you know, we have been discussing tonight um, smart women, foolish choices. And the women that we've been looking at were Maya for not telling Rick herself, because we all know that somebody's going to beat her to the punch. Uh, Sharon for showing up at the club uh, and putting both her freedom and her custody of faith in jeopardy. And Liz for keeping the secret, which I love. I'm a big fan of that, as you know. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool twist. So um, pick any and or all of those and let us know your thoughts. I'm going to rank them because you were mentioning that. I have to say I think of all the, the the worst decisions of the three, I think Sharon comes out on top. She would be my pick for must win if it were like an Emmy prediction. <laughs> I think Maya is second. Liz... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a it's maybe the wrong decision. I don't know that it's a bad decision. Like, I mean, like, the other two, I, I see ending terribly and horribly. Liz's, I could maybe see it not ending completely terribly horribly Wait. for her. I mean, she's had a crap Wait. life so far, so, you know, what's one more bad decision? You don't think that when people find out that – you don't think when Carly finds out that Liz knew Jason was alive and kept that sh- – secret you don't think that's going to end badly for Liz yeah, but the, you know everything ends badly for her I mean just she doesn't really have that many close friends you know her kids die she's got bad romantic relationships I mean it's, it's just it's, you're basically saying eh, how much worse can it get <laughs> pretty much which is of course uh, a karmic disaster you never ask that question you say oh it can't get any worse than this because you know it usually does but I mean what's What's going to happen to her? Uh, I don't know. I think she'll be fine. I think she'll come out on, on the okay. Maya, not so sure. Uh, and I'm torn well, on that, too. About, let's talk about Sharon for a minute. Okay. Because, because Sharon was literally the, uh, the, the – she was my muse this evening. She was the woman who inspired me to do this show because, you know, they say that if you have one person doing something, you know, two two people do something, it's interesting. When you have three, it's a trend, and Sharon made it a trend. So <laughs> I I watched Sharon in the club. I watched, and I, I didn't know what to make of it. I mean, she really, as as our previous caller mentioned, she was doing crazy eyes, but Sharon's not supposed to be crazy at this point. She's supposed to be, you know, kind of like on meds and, and better. I I just didn't even I mean, know what to make of it. I didn't do we know, know that she's taking them? Have we seen her take her pills every day? <sighs> I mean, we saw Maya maybe taking pills. Do we know that Sharon is taking pills? I guess that's true, but it just, it just, you know, you so often hear fans of a certain character, and and it happens with with various characters. Say, oh, why does why does my favorite character always have to get thrown under the bus? Why is it always and you know, often I just I don't I don't really buy into that. But in this case, I kind of buy into it. I mean, Sharon got thrown off the bus under it, rolled over, the bus set on fire. It, you know, there's just it, it just it was pretty bad. It was it was it was hard to watch. I mean, when the police came to take her away, and she's like, "Why would you take me away? I've done nothing wrong." Like, mm. how you how do you not know what you did? <laughs> That I get. I mean, that I'll, I'll go for, and, and part of me wonders if that is a, a signature of some person who's writing the story. Not going into that. Don't want to get in trouble. Oh, I but did. I will you say, don't have to worry. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we were, I was talking to a mutual friend. Well, anyway, I'll add into it. Of, 
uh, it's happened. I've seen it happen before, so um, we'll take that out of the equation and just say maybe that's not the case. For me, I have to say, I've always liked the characters who are getting thrown under the bus and, and beaten up. And for me, you know, I, I'm not someone who feels really strongly or passionately uh, dislike for a character or a couple, or that's not me. I sort of watch and, and go along with the ride. I've always thought that the characters that end up who are, are, are you know, too good and, and too prim and proper and nothing ever happens wrong to them, they're the ones that I'm like, eh, I'm not really emotionally invested and to me it goes back to thinking when I first started watching all my children it wasn't until Brooke went nuts and had an ectopic pregnancy and was kidnapping her kid that I was like oh you know what she's real I can relate to her that would be me I would have the nervous breakdown and and, you know steal a child hypothetically I totally agree with that but but I also think and and this certainly applied with Brooke too the the point, at some point when you're doing that kind of thing, where you're putting your character through that kind of thing, they ha- they come out the other side. You know, either, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they learn their lesson or, you know, life turns around and they get some kind of payoff, some kind of happy ending. Um, and, I mean, Sharon has been on this downward spiral for literally three or four years now. And uh, as I was saying earlier, when she burned down the house and then they put her, you know, we thought it was a low point and they put her in therapy and they put her on happy pills. And I thought, okay, see, this is, I like this. You take a, you take a character to a low point and then you build them up and you, you let them come out the other side. That's sort of the payoff for watching bad things happen to good people. But I feel like we're not, we haven't gotten that with Sharon. I feel like every time Sharon's gotten anywhere near uh, something that could be considered good over the last couple of years, it's self, well, it, it not, it has destructed. She has destroyed it, you know? Well, but can't we say that about, well, taking Maya out, can't we say that about Liz on General Hospital? Hasn't she kept going through stuff and ruined? I'm thinking like days of her lives. Nicole always seems to have some sort of boohoo, you know, life is falling apart moments. Uh, I'm thinking of other, uh, other soaps that are from the past. I mean, you know, For me, a lot of them. Is- Nicole's an interesting example in that Nicole is also one of those characters that I love. Nicole, and this is a classic soap thing. Nicole is one of those women who destroys her own happiness. You know, mm-hmm. Nicole, you know, like right now, she, she has a shot at happiness, but she just can't let this whole Serena thing go, and she's just going to keep pushing it, and it's going to cost her in the end. Of course. Nicole, Nicole never, it's never enough. Um, Sammy was sort of the same way, too. Sammy very often was her own worst enemy. Uh, and I guess there that's is something why I very feel, appealing to that. Well, that's why I feel the, with Maya. I mean, and, and I know that there are uh, so many people who think that, you know, she has not been honest or hasn't come forward. And, you know, for me, the thing that I keep thinking about is that, you know, for her, one, what do you really owe to someone? That's the first question I have. I mean, yes, this is totally different in in that, but, you know, for people who have slept with thousands of people, when you get involved with someone, do you say that on the first date? Do you say, hey, you know, FYI, I've, you know, slept around. Do you say that? Do you wait until you're getting ready to be proposed to and then say, oh, FYI, I know that we're serious now and I've been committed to you, but FYI, you know, I may or may not have had sex with the Fleet Week when they came through. I mean, I, I don't know. I and mean, this may not be necessarily the same thing, but, I, but my point is, 
what is your obligation to tell people? What do you need to tell them? How, you know, I realize this is, this is a totally different I, scenario, oh. but what do you really owe anything to anyone? I don't know. That's my question. I, you know, I agree completely, and I'm sort of torn on it. Because on the one hand, <clears throat> honestly, it, it doesn't change anything. You know, like like when Maya tells Rick, I am transgender, it doesn't change anything. She is the exact same person that moment that she has been ever since he met her, you know? Um, the the good, thing the that I think they, changes it is that for for the people who are maybe this is an uncomfortable topic, the thing that they're going to be sitting and thinking to be like a sort of a four-year-old child of, ew, you kissed the boy. Like that's sure. going to be what, sure. that's the reaction. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I, with all of that, I, you know, it's people who, they have characters who've slept with the mother and the daughter. I mean, no one, yeah, I guess they did go, ew, you know, you kissed the same person who kissed your mother. Uh, to me, I get it. I understand that it's not being truthful, but I'm wondering in, you know, is is it wrong, the omission part? It isn't as though she has come forth and has been saying, you know, I have been female all of my life, or people may take issue. I mean, I, she's not Although told to play, everything. To play, the devil's, to play the devil's advocate, it is a huge, there is a huge difference, I think, between telling someone how many people you slept with and telling people, oh, by the way, I was born with a penis. <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, like I said, I'm very torn by it because on the one hand, it does not it does not change the person that, that he met and fell in love with. She has been who she is from the moment he met her. So what happened before that has absolutely no – the fact that she was born a man has absolutely no impact on their relationship since they met. You know, it, she it's not even male. like she's saying, right. It's not even like she's saying, uh, you know, oh, while we were dating, I slept with someone else. That, that, you know, that's, that's a behavior that took place while you were dating that impacts the relationship. Nothing, mm-hmm. her, her gender identity has no impact on the relationship. And I think that's I why think, they've done. I think you should know. I, I take issue yeah. with that because for me, if I t- you're mentioning that you know it's shocking, I'm going to prove the point. Richard, I was born with a penis. It's not shocking. If I no, told you Dan, I slept with seven hundred people, if you were Daniela, it might be. Well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just to me, I don't know. I mean, it would be shocking. I just think that there would be a part of me that if somebody said, "Hey, I slept with seven hundred people," I would be dis- I would be more disgusted by that. Sorry, sorry, whoever. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting because there are levels of. I think it's. I think it becomes an issue of. You you were saying you know do you owe it to that person and I guess that's true I guess it's what you know there are certain things that that. Hard to hard to say, um, well for example, let's say. Okay. Let's say Maya had a child, which I which she did. But let's say she had a child that nobody knew about. Let's say let's say that as Myron she fathered a child and that child was put up for adoption and she has no contact with that child and never will. Um but is that something that that is also something from her past. Does she would she owe that to Rick? You know, would she owe Rick the that fact? I don't know. I mean there's a part of me that would could argue both of them 
as well. I think that one to me, see that that's me being judgmental. I'm not going to try to be judgmental on this. To me, though, it would be depending upon the reason. If someone did that because they knew that they were not capable of being a parent, that's one thing. Um, if they ju- if they gave away their child because they said, eh, you know what, it's not the life I want to live, that goes to sort of well, you should have maybe taken precautions and in, in considering if, if that were the thing. But if either, if you made either of those decisions for either of those reasons, what does that impact the life that you're living now? If you did this, you know, 15 years ago, you're a completely None really now. I mean, yeah. if you're saying that you're never going to see contact and, it, and it's not a soap yeah. where your child will show up at your wedding, I mean, it really doesn't impact it. It doesn't for anything. Do you tell someone that you were used drugs in the past if you were no longer using them? You know, is there a propensity in the future that if you tried once that you'll try it again and it could impact your relationship? You know, do you reveal that you had a gambling problem? Do you reveal that you were that you, you went to prison? Yeah. And in this case, she did. Maya that we're talking about did go to prison, and that's been. Revealed. Um, so the I, mean, that, the, I don't know. The analogy, the analogy that really bothered me. Someone the other day was making the analogy of, well, if she was HIV positive, you know, and I mm. and I said, well, that's different because that is something that can that that impacts her current life and could impact his life. You know, mm-hmm. that that's something where you need the information because it is a health issue. But that's mm-hmm. that's not at all the same as what we're talking about here. You know, this is this is not that. This has no impact. Uh yeah, it's interesting. Now, how do you think uh, obviously neither of us know how this is going to play out. But let's just let's just jump forward, you know, I I I'm assuming before the end of May the truth will come out. Let's just jump forward to the truth coming out. Rick Rick finds out. How do you see this playing? What do you think happens? This, for folks listening, this is not a spoiler alert. This is just me making an observation. If you happen to see the red carpet video that I did in interviewing Jacob Young, he has a crazy beard. So unless he's just decided to embrace his inner mountain man, I'm thinking it's an indication that uh, Rick does not take this very well and we are in store for some amazing acting from Jacob <laughs> Young. Just my opinion. And you deduced all that from his beard. Couldn't it be just that they were on break for a couple of weeks? And... No, 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 that's not, that's not where my mind went. My mind went to he's going to become okay. a crazy alcoholic throwing things and it'll be amazing. This is my thought. Yeah, I, could be I, wrong. I, I have I have to agree. I mean, uh, for me, what I wish, you know, do I, you know, to, to sort of quote Maya today, when Maya said, I wish we lived in a world where this wasn't an issue, do I wish that, that they could tell this story and have Rick be like, you know, hey, no big deal. But of course, there's no drama in that. What I really hope is that Rick goes to, you know, the dark place that he's probably going to go to and, you know, has a fit and a meltdown and does amazing acting for Jacob Young and, and lots of tears for Carla Mosley, who has rocked this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and eventually, I would love it if they find their way back together from this, you know? I think, so. I think that would save just send just a lovely message of, you know, yeah, we got the drama out of this, but at the end of the day, Rick realizes that he fell in love with this this woman and that she is a woman and that she is the person he loved and that whatever came before does not impact the, their their love now. I would love to see the show come back around to that. The only other option is that he rejects her 
And Carter realizes that he's always loved Maya. They get together and they ride off into the sunset together. I don't think that that really serves the storyline well. But, I don't think you that's, know, I agree. I, I mean, uh, that is obviously an option. I don't think it serves the story. And my bigger thing is I need this not to end with Maya riding off into the sunset because that makes Maya, you know, sort of that, 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 that makes Maya like all the other social issues that they've done where it played for a couple of months and then went away. Dan, we're just about out of time here. You want to pimp yourself Uh, a little bit? Sure. I mean, I guess if you want to know more (laughs) about me, you can follow me at Dan J. Kroll. I also do a little fun talk show online every week. You can find that at krollcall.com. This week we have, the voice of Siri. She's coming on. You'll meet her. It's Susan Bennett Seriously? and our mutual <laughs> Siri. The voice of Siri? Yes. Yes. That's so She's cool. Coming on. <laughs> and also our mutual friend, Lindsay Wells, The Kitchen, which has some great recipes. And then I'm going to attempt to do something that I've never done before, make a live call to someone who has no idea that they're going to be called <laughs> on air and see what happens. It's my mother and my grandmother. They're not going to know that they're on the air, and we'll see what happens. That sounds like it could be disastrous. We were just talking earlier in the show about live <laughs> broadcasts and how easily they can go terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> I have a backup plan. I have a, I have a GH plan. I have some stuff that's pre-recorded just in case it goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, hey. I'm Charles. See you later on the Twitterverse. Everybody, I want to thank you all for uh, coming tonight. I know it was a Wednesday night, which is kind of weird. And uh, so thanks for finding us and finding some time on the dial. You can find me at How Rude Are You, Soaps in Depth ABC, Soaps in Depth CBS, and all over the Twitterverse. You can also find me at Facebook.com slash Trelfie, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. Until next week, I hope you have a great, great week. Uh, Pick up the new issue of Soaps in Depth on stands now. It's got the two Jacks, Jack and Yak, on the cover. Uh, And uh, some – oh, and it's got an interview with Michelle Morgan, who plays – uh, uh, Hillary on The Young and the Restless and uh, really talks a lot about the duality of the character. Until next time, have a wonderful week and remember, because it's soaps, what do you got to do? Tune in tomorrow. I'm moving on, I'm moving on. I'm Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.